Welcome to Calvary Chapel of Columbia, where we're unpacking God's truths one verse at a time. And now here's Pastor Tim with today's message. Now, so if you have a Bible, uh, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And it's so interesting because, you know, here today we're going to be talking about uh, the gifting of the Holy Spirit, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And you've seen already on display the Holy Spirit at work through multiple people already. You have the worship team up here. You have people in the back that are doing the sound and the, the, the slides, utilizing their gifting. And then also you've got, um, you know, Risha with the announcements and Josh using it, his gifting. And you've got Mel just came up and, and spell, spoke a little bit to you. So you've already seen this on display to some degree. But today we're going to talk about specifically the, the, the miraculous empowerment of the Holy Spirit specific to believers and, you know, the gospel moving forward. So if you'll stand with me, we're going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read the first 11 verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know, what, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to the one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, uh, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Father, we thank you for your word this morning, and here we are, Lord, so desiring to be used by you. We find in your word that you empower us to do so, Lord, miraculously in various different ways. So we pray this morning that you would help us if we are ignorant of these things to be informed this morning. Father, if we haven't overemphasis of these things. Will you bring us into the right mind and the right understanding of how these things are to be used? For what purpose, Lord? We thank you, Lord, for just speaking to us now by the power of your Holy Spirit through the gift of teaching. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. How many of you guys love presents in this room? Anybody love presents? I know I do. I, I love presents. Presents are, are awesome. Um, I particularly like a well-thought-out present, right? Like, like one that I didn't even know that I needed, but then when I open it up, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I need. I wasn't even thinking that. I, I love those kind of gifts because those gifts say a lot about the giver of the gift. It tells us that they were thinking about us specifically, about how they could best bless us, and, you know, they give us something that just totally rocks us, you know, and... and I love that kind of stuff. That is the kind of gift giver the Holy Spirit is. He's thinking about you. He's thinking about God and what the Lord wants to do in your life and what he's called you to. And then he, he gives you a present or presents. And you, you open those presents up by faith and you walk in those presents and you find that, whoa, that's exactly what I needed. The Holy Spirit is that kind of a gift giver. We never have to worry about the Holy Spirit giving us a gift that we're never going to use. If he gives you a gift, you're supposed to use it. Doesn't mean you always will, but you're supposed to. Some of us, we get gifts and we're like, what am I supposed to do with this? What kind of a gift is this? Any re-gifters in this room? Don't, don't raise your hand because then we'll be wondering when we receive a gift from you whether or not you were thinking of us or you just received a gift. I want to give you three reasons why we re-gift. A, because we don't need it. B, because we don't want it. Or C, all of the above. Typically, it's all of the above. It's C, right? Um, so the Holy Spirit will always give you 
a gift. He will always give you gifts that you need, presents that, you, that are required for you to fulfill your ministry. You'll never re-gift from the Holy Spirit. This morning, I want to talk to you about presence with purpose. Presence with purpose. That is the title of my message this morning. And what an appropriate day for us to be talking about this. Do you guys know what day it is? The day of Pentecost. Yawn Mayberry, everybody. Yeah. The day of Pentecost. Yeah, what was the day of Pentecost? Remember, we've been talking about that in the sermon series, Acts chapter 2. You know, the disciple, the apostles sitting up with the disciples in the upper room in Jerusalem waiting for power to come. And all of a sudden, a rushing wind came through the upper room and there were what it seemed like tongues of, uh, that were like fire, by the way, that rested upon their heads, and they began to speak in languages that weren't native to themselves. They didn't know these languages. It was a supernatural gifting by the Holy Spirit for the disciples. And remember, outside of that room, they probably inside that room, they're thinking, this sounds weird, right? Like maybe some of us think. But outside of that room, God was doing an incredible work. And in fact, people were hearing things in their own native languages, and that prepared the heart. Listen, that wasn't the gospel. That prepared the heart for Peter then to step into the pulpit and to give a message to people who were now, had their, uh, God had their attention. That is the purpose. That is the purpose of, of these kinds of giftings. It's always to open the door for you and I to further the gospel. It's not to woo and awe our friends. Hey, look at this. Look what I can do. No, and <laughs> that's not the way these spiritual gifts work. They're for the purpose of elevating Jesus Christ and for moving the gospel forward. Now, anytime we bring up the, the, this word spiritual gifts, miraculous gifts or whatever, there's all kinds of different uh, responses when we hear this. It elicits all kinds of different. Some of you get incredibly uncomfortable. You're like, whoa. Put your hands in your pockets and you're like, um... I don't know if I, I'm, I'm a little bit afraid, primarily because of what you've maybe seen or heard somewhere else, maybe on the internet, or maybe you were part of a, um, a gathering at one point that see, things weren't really done biblically, and so you felt like it was a little crazy, um, you know, and you're like, whoa, whoa, I, I, that scares me. Well, listen, I want, I want you to know that it scares the daylights out of the Holy Spirit, too. Oftentimes, he gets a whole bunch of credit for things that have nothing to do with him. Right? So, I want you to know that. I want to put your mind at ease re relating to that. Some of you are, are bouncing off the walls, man. You're, you're, like, you're like Bitcoin. You're up and down and up and down and up and down. You are saying, finally, it's my time to shine. Step aside, pastor. And you're ready to go because you're excited about what the, you know the power of the Spirit of God. You know what the power of the Spirit of God can do upon people who are open to being used by the Holy Spirit. I'm excited for for that as well. You know, th there are some of you that are like spiritual, huh? Spiritual what? The Holy Spirit, what? Remember, we talked about the Holy Spirit being a person. He's a person. And we see that at the end of, this, at the end of at verse 11 there. He has a will. He's a person. And so he's not just the active force of God, which many people are under the misunderstanding that he's just, a, just the, the force of God moving in the world. He's a person. He's in the Trinity. He's equal as Jesus or God the Father. He is God. But his role is totally different than the role of the Father, the role of the Son. And in fact, we see here even the Trinity being mentioned in our verses here today. We'll talk about that. Uh, the Holy Spirit, listen, he gives you and I giftings and, and things for a purpose. According to our text this morning, verse 7 it's for the building up of the body. It's for you and I to be built up in the body. He gives us these, these giftings to build up the body. In what way is he talking about building up the body? Well, if, he, if it's specific to evangelism, then he means numeretically. He means building up the body. There were, after the day of Pentecost, there were 3,000 people added to the church during that time. Every time you see a miraculous gift in the Bible, I want you to take note of what happens afterwards. The gospel goes forward. People get saved. It's for the building up of the body. It's for the common good. God does not put us on mission and then 
not give us the ability and all the tools we need to accomplish the mission. My, my goal here today is to, to help um, each and every one of you guys to um, gain some biblical context relating uh, the, the, the uh, spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit and so that they can be used biblically in the right way. And so we're going to look at that, this for the next probably four weeks. Really, we're going we're gonna to finish out our series, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, all the way through uh, chapter 14. And we're going to talk about what it looks like in, in function in the body, in a dis- dysfunctional body. Paul is talking to a dysfunctional body about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit is supposed to be used in the congregational setting. And so we're going to learn about all of that. This should not freak you out. It should excite you. And uh, you should be uh, hopefully saying, Lord, I am open to do, for you to do whatever it is that you want to do in my life. Uh, uh, Pastor Chuck has probably been used in many of your lives and my life to bring a lot of clarity as it relates to the Holy Spirit and his ministry in the body of Christ. Pastor Chuck wrote a book called Charisma versus Charismania. Now, he could write that kind of a book because he's experienced both. He grew up in a, in a, um, in a, a specific, uh, you know, section of the, the church, a denomination, whatnot, that he experienced a lot of charismania. And yet, he also believed, according to the scriptures, that the Holy Spirit is still active and at work in miraculous ways in the world today, that, that those things didn't cease in the apostolic day, which is a, a doctor called cessationism. That's a man-made thing. And we'll talk about why is, you know, what does the Bible say relating to that? We'll get to it. Don't worry, we're going to get to that in chapter 13, but um, you know, are the gifts for today? We'll, we'll, we'll find out. We'll, we'll find out what the Bible has to say about it. Okay, but he said in his book, Char- Charisma versus Charismania, he explains the difference between a man-centered use of the gifts and a God-centered use of the gifts. Uh, he said, and I quote, Charisma is a beautiful natural anointing of God's Spirit upon a, per- a person's life, enabling him or her to do the work of God. It is a special dynamic of God's Spirit, by which a person seems to radiate God's glory and love. Charismania is an endeavor in the flesh to stimulate charisma. It is any effort to do the work of the Spirit in the energies or abilities of the flesh, the old selfish nature of a person. It is a spiritual hype that substitutes perspiration for inspiration. It is the use of the genius, energy, and gimmicks of man as a substitute for the wisdom of the ability of God. Listen, charismania has ruined charisma for a large majority of Christians. Charismania has, has done, and don't think that the enemy isn't at the root of all of that. Do you understand? He understands the power of the Holy Spirit. He was with the Holy Spirit in heaven. He's, he understands the power of the Holy Spirit. He understands the, the, the working of the Holy Spirit upon you and I and how much trouble he's in if we allow the Holy Spirit to work in and through our lives in this world. So he understands that. So what does he do? He can't do anything about the empowerment. So what does he do? He confuses us about it. Oh, that's not real. That's crazy. That's this. That's that, right? So there's all kinds of different ideas about these sorts of things. So we go back to the Word, and we look at the Word to find out what the Word says about these things. And so that's what we're going to do here. In, um, as we study uh, the, these chapters here, we're going to find out that it, that it is as equally damaging to totally suppress the Spirit of God in a body of Christ as it is to be outlandish and to be totally outside of the realm of what God calls the spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're both equally incredibly damaging. And I would say that in, in our culture today, and in particularly in our area, even Calvary chapels, many of us have lost the idea and, and, and really the, 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 the focus of allowing the Holy Spirit to do whatever He wants to do whatever he wants to do. And, you know, we're, we're afraid oftentimes of what the Holy Spirit might do through us. 
And so we're going to look at these things and we're going to bring some context is always the best way to deal with fear, folks. Context is always the best way to deal with fear. So that's what we're going to do here in the next three weeks or so. Um, we're going to look at three specific things here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11, regarding the presence given by the Holy Spirit. The first thing that we're going to find is that the Holy Spirit always gives His presence with instructions. Amen? Look at verse 1 here. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray by mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want to un you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, how many of you have ever tried to assemble something without instructions? I think we talked about this before. Listen, it is an absolute miracle if you have ever tried to assemble a child's play set, like out, outside, with your family and you're still married. That is absolutely a, it's a miracle. Listen, those things, you have to be a, a structural engineer slash architect to read the instructions. You're like, what is this piece? I don't even see this on here. And so what do you do? You start looking at the picture, yeah? And what happens at the end? You're like, I wonder what those are for. You know what I mean? Thankfully, the Lord doesn't do that to us. He gives us instructions relating to the presence that he gives us. Paul says now concerning spiritual gifts. He, God is going to instruct us relating to these things. It comes with instructions. And so if you're ever wondering, like, how do I know if that's the Spirit or not? What does the Word say? There's our instructions. What does the Word of God say about these things? Concerning spiritual gifts. Your uh, your version, if you're reading the New King James or King James version, the word gifts right there is italicized. That's because it's not in the original text. It's not originally. It should just say now concerning spirituals. Concerning spirituals. What does that mean? The word spiritual here is the Greek word pneumatikos, which means expressions or manifestations of the spirit. The word gift was added to bring clarity to the understanding of exactly what Paul was saying relating to uh, spiritual gifts. The word gift in the Greek is charisma, and it means expression or manifestation or embodiment of grace. Now, I like that because I feel like it's, it's really bringing clarity to what Paul is saying here in this text. What he's saying to this, this, this church that is totally out of order relating to spiritual gifts He's saying the first thing that you need to understand concerning spiritual gifts, the, the embodiment, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit supernaturally upon your life is that it's by grace. It has nothing to do with how spiritual you are. You see, their issue in this culture was that they were bringing in all these pagan thoughts into the church. These are, these are people that, you know, were just worshiping at the temple there in their city in Corinth who were bringing a lot of that that mentality into the church and they they were you know thought hey we're just supposed to love everybody and do all of these things they didn't have the proper biblical context to be able to navigate through some of these things they were experiencing the holy spirit and yet they were out of order relating to the gifts of the spirit and so really coming to chapter 12 here paul is answering questions primarily we have to understand now concerning spiritual gifts paul the first first thing that that he talks about is it's not by how great you are. It's by grace. It's unmerited favor. Some of us think, you know, and I hear this all the time, oh, you have a direct line to heaven. I'm like, I do? Whoa, I got the red line, the red phone in my office. I'm like, God, are you there? <laughs> you have the same access to God as I do. Or Pastor Mike does, Pastor Brian does. Listen, it has nothing to do with you and your walk with the Lord here, it has to do with Jesus Christ on the cross, crucified, to open up the door for you to be able to have access to heaven. You have the same access as I do. Oh, but you, that no. It's by, by faith through grace. It's by grace that God does anything in our lives. It's by grace, unmerited favor. And particularly when it comes to spiritual gifts, the, the, the believers in Corinth, Man, they, they thought 
that there were levels of spirituality that came with certain supernatural giftings. So, man, if you could speak in tongues, then, boy, you were super spiritual. And yet Paul addresses that. That's not the case. There are varieties of gifts for the purpose of God's will in your life, having nothing to do with you and what you, what, what you want to experience or what the Lord wants to do in your life. It has to do with what the Lord wants to do in your life, not what you want the Lord to do in your life. So Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed. I need to instruct you. He's probably answering this question right here. How do we know whether or not we're speaking of the Spirit? How do we know what Spirit we're speaking of? And Paul says, well, what's the Spirit saying? What is the Spirit saying? If the Spirit is saying something against Jesus, it's not God. If the Spirit is saying, you know, to confess Jesus, then it's the Holy Spirit. You cannot say. They were obviously struggling. Some people were saying things that were not of the Holy Spirit. And so they, hey, at least they're asking. At least they're saying, hey, I want some clarity on this. Paul said, listen, the Spirit will never speak blasphemous of Jesus. And Jesus made that clear, uh, exactly what the Spirit would speak in John 15, 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. The Holy Spirit's going to speak about Jesus to you. About Jesus and about what he, the person and the work of Jesus Christ. About the teachings of Jesus, the instructions of Jesus. That's what he's going to do. He's going to bear witness about Jesus. John 16, 14, he will glorify me. And he will take what is mine and declare it to you. He's our teacher. He's going to teach us what we need to be taught relating to what Jesus told us. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is not to promote himself or any man, but to glorify Jesus and give understanding to his teaching. So if you hear anything to the contrary you can rightly discern that that is not the Holy Spirit. If it's anything outside of that, we need not be ignorant relating to this because we've been given instructions relating to these things. Well, not only have we been given instructions relating to the presence that we've been given, but we also have been given a variety of presence. Look at verse 4. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. The Holy Spirit is into variety. He's not into standardized gift giving, you know what I mean? That's when you go to Costco and you buy 63 of the same thing and you're just like, oh, this will be easy. And you walk out with 63 of the same thing and you're like, here you go, here you go, here you go. That's how I do it. My kids are like, how come I got the same thing as her, him? I'm like, hey. You got something, didn't you? Not really. I'm not like that. But you, listen, the Holy Spirit is into a variety of gifts. He gives all kinds of gifts, not based on what you want, but based on what you need. He knows exactly what you need, and he is a, he's a good gift giver, man. And he, he knows at the right time what gifting you need in order to do your job. And he is faithful to give that empowerment needed. But there are varieties of gifts, and we'll find, we'll talk about some of them today in, ch- in verses 8 through 10. You can also find a list in Romans chapter 12 and also Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to go through s- some of these things. Now, is that to say that these, this is an exhaustive list? No, it's not an exhaustive list. But here's what I would say relating to the varieties of giftings of the Holy Spirit is that it ought to be something that is biblical, something that elevates Jesus, not man-centered. And in our culture, in our day, in the last 200 or so years, we call a lot of things that are man-centered, Holy Spirit-generated giftings. And we, 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 it's elevating self, but really, how is Jesus being glorified in that? And and so, you know, we're going to go through these lists, but understand that it's not, not an exhaustive list. There are other ways that the Holy Spirit manifests himself, I'm sure, but um, 
But at the end of the day, what we know is it will not violate Scripture in any way, shape, or form. And it will be, should be done or supposed to be done in decent and in order. And so in a congregational setting, we're not all doing different things. The Holy Spirit doesn't interrupt Himself. If it's the Holy Spirit utilizing the gift of teaching right now to teach you, then there, that's what the focus should be on because Jesus is being elevated. And then at some point, if it's something else, then the Spirit will move, and we let the Spirit move. We give Him room to do that. But this is an exhaustive list. So there's a variety of gifts, and we'll go through that in just a second. There, the reason why there is a variety of giftings is because there are a variety of service. That word service there means ministries. Paul speaks about this um, word in verse 28, and he says, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of helping, gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. There are different services or ministries or offices in the church because we are the body of Christ, meaning we are all different types of the body, different parts of the body, operating in unity for the same purpose, but we have different roles. And so we need different giftings. That's what he means by a variety of services. There's also a variety of activities. That word activities in the Greek is energema. And the word literally means energize. It's speaking about miracles. How do we know? It doesn't say anything about miracles there. Oh, but it does in verse 10. That word down in verse 10 there, you see uh, that it says, to another, the working of miracles. That word working is the same word that he's using here as activities, and it's linked to miracles. And so Paul probably is referring to miracles, hence he's utilizing that there. And this is a reference to miraculous gifting, miracles, things that can't happen unless God shows up, things that the Holy Spirit um, only the Holy Spirit can do, not anything that you and I can do. There are varieties of gifts, varieties of services, varieties of activities. There is diversity, but there's unity in all for the same Spirit and the same Lord and the same God. Here we find the Trinity here, the Trinity at work within the varieties of giftings, but the same Spirit. It's the Spirit who gives the giftings. The variety of service, by, but the same Lord. The Lord called you into service. The Lord Jesus Christ said, follow me. He called you into ministry. He called you into service. It's the Lord Jesus Christ that did that. And here we find there are the varieties um, of activities, but the same God who empowers them all. This is God the Father. He is the one that is, is, performs these miracles through the Holy Spirit in your life, but it's by His design. Remember when Jesus healed the deaf man and the people said to Him, was, was He, or the, the, the lame man, I'm sorry, was He lame because of His parents' sin or His sin? And Jesus, remember, He said, neither, but God has set up this situation, this is paraphrasing, situation for to bring glory to me in this moment. Who's in control of the miracle? Jesus or the Father? The Father. It's the Father's plan in Jesus' life to bring glory to Him. Same thing in your situation. The Father has the master plan. He is the one that, that has, uh, you know, laid out the beginning from the end. The Holy Spirit, the Savior of the world. I mean, Jesus, the Savior of the world, the Holy Spirit, the, the power for you and I to be redeemed and to walk in that redemption that we've been given through Jesus. Here we have the Trinity at work here. There are a varieties of expressions or manifestations or embodiments of grace given by the Holy Spirit to the body of Christ. Again, Paul lists um, these various different gifts, and I want you to just draw your attention down to verse 8 there. It says, For to one is given... Through the Spirit, the utterance of wisdom. This is the word of wisdom. This is something that is always given by the Spirit and not something that we can 
obtain on our own. In other words, we can't go and study on something and have knowledge about something and apply that knowledge. That's what wisdom is, applied knowledge. We can't study something, apply that knowledge, and then say, man, the Holy Spirit has supernaturally gifted me to do this. That's not, that, it, listen, you might be a horrible student, the Holy Spirit may have empowered you to do all of that, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a supernatural uh, ability to apply wisdom to something that you have zero knowledge about. Like it's out of nowhere. It's the Holy Spirit at work uh, to do this. I remember a time when uh, my, my, my partner and I were, um, were in business together and we, had, we were in, in this kind of really precarious negotiation with this person and uh, it had a lot to do with our business and we set our business up as a ministry. We wanted to glorify the Lord. And um, so, you know, the Lord was in it from, the, from day one. And the Holy Spirit was at work through, through our normal activity and our jobs, doing all kinds of awesome things. But the Lord gave me a, a word of wisdom in the midst of this uh, situation. And, and I said to my wife, my, my partner, I said, uh, hey, um, here's what I think. This is what I believe the Lord's telling me about this situation, and, and you know what he said? That's brilliant. That is brilliant. Man, you know, that is perfect. It really hits the nail on the head, and, and um, so we did that, and the Lord used that, but here, here's the reality of it is, that had nothing to do with me. That had to do with the Holy Spirit giving me understanding of something when I had no understanding of it. He's done that a lot in my life, that giving me words of wisdom or different things like that. Maybe you've experienced the same. That's what he's talking about, supernatural um, equipping in the moment with a, with a word that is wise that did not come from you. Secondly, to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit. This is the unique ability to declare knowledge that could only be revealed supernaturally. So, Peter utilized this gift when Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 5, remember? They walked in and they thought, man, nobody's going to know. And, and, you know, here's the thing. I, I don't know what you know about that story, but the sin wasn't that they didn't give all that they had. The sin was that they, they lied. That's what it said. They lied to the Holy Spirit. They said, we're going to do this. They committed to it. And then what? They wanted the they wanted everybody to pat them on the backs. They wanted the praise for them giving all of the proceeds that they sold to their, of their home. They wanted everybody to praise them for doing that, and yet they were holding back. And the Lord said, oh, we can't start off on this kind of, that's the wrong foot to start on. And so what happens is judgment comes down on them because they lied to the Holy Spirit. You think Peter was part of the, the deal there? Peter wasn't, Peter wasn't drafting the contracts up. He didn't have some, you know, crazy, uh, you know, he wasn't involved in the daily things. He was operating in the Spirit of God, and the Lord gave him a word of knowledge. He didn't have that knowledge before. And so Charles Spurgeon was converted by a word of knowledge. Did you know that? He was, at, uh, he was going to his church one morning. The weather was horrible. He was late. So he didn't go to his church. He went to a different church. And it just so happened that the pastor, because of the weather and all that, couldn't get to his church. And so somebody, just a dude from the church, stood up, came up to the pulpit, and he's like, well, I guess I'll do it. And uh, he stepped in the pulpit. Now, tell me this isn't God. And he says this. He said, open your Bibles up to Isaiah chapter 45, verse 22, reading the King James Version. He says, look unto me, and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. Spurgeon said the man expounded on this passage for about 10 minutes, and then he was closing his sermon. And in Spurgeon's words, he said, just fixing his eyes on me as if he knew all my heart. He said, young man, you look very miserable. Well, I did, but I had not been accustomed to have remarks made from the pulpit on my personal appearance before. However, it was a good blow, struck right at home. He continued, and you will always be miserable, miserable in life and miserable in death if you don't obey my text. But if you obey now, this moment, you will 
be saved. Then, lifting up his hands, he shouted, as only a primitive Methodist could do, Young man, look to Jesus Christ. Look, look, look. You have nothing to do but look and live. Spurgeon said the man looked at him as if he knew all of his heart. When Jesus perceived thoughts, that is a word of knowledge from the Holy Spirit. It wasn't because he was God, because he limited that. He, he, he clothed himself in flesh in that regard. He operated by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gave him words of knowledge. And he perceived people's thoughts. And here we have this man operating in the, the Holy Spirit, telling Charles Spurgeon he needs to get saved. And he gets saved and as a result of what? That man's incredible, incredible exposition of Isaiah 45, 22? No. Because of the word of wisdom. Because the Holy Spirit spoke directly to him. So if I start calling you out, it's the Holy Spirit, not me. So, you know, all, nobody shows up to church. They're like, I'm not doing that. No, I'm just kidding. But, but that's how it works. The Holy Spirit gives us utterance of knowledge for his purpose, for his purpose. Verse 9, to another faith by the same Spirit. This is a supernatural gift to, tr to, to trust God in difficult circumstances. Remember Peter in the boat? The waves are rocking and Jesus walking on water tells Peter, get out of the boat, Peter. And what does he do? By the, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, walking by faith, steps out, onto those seas and they hold him. Why? Because he's operating by the gift of faith. We were saved by faith. That also is a gift, by the way. Not of yourselves, lest anyone should boast. The faith that you have to do anything is a gift from the Holy Spirit. In particular, this, this, um, this faith given is, you know, I believe, a, a specific kind of faith relating to um, the, the Holy Spirit wanting to do something miraculous. Remember Pastor Chuck said one time that the Lord gave him the gift of faith in a moment and he just got done preaching a sermon and uh, th this family was coming down front to talk to him. They're willing their, their granddad down to the front of the thing there and, and, and Pastor Chuck's like, um, Lord, <laughs> what do you want me to do? And, and as soon as he got down there, Pastor Chuck said, well, in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk, and the guy did. And then his family said, we were just bringing him down to pray for his cold. We're like, whoa, he got saved, he got healed, but it was the gift of faith. Probably on both sides, folks. Probably on both sides. The gift of faith in operation. Believing God for something, but also, um, you know, trusting him in that situation. It doesn't mean that God heals all the time either, but he does. It's according to what he wants to do, right? You don't get the shaft if he doesn't heal you. That just means he's doing something different in your life. And he wants you to trust him in a different way, right? He loves you. He knows what's going on in your life, and he wants to work in your life. The question is, will you operate by the Spirit and be guided through those, navigate through those circumstances and situations, empowered by the Spirit of God? To another, gifts of healing by one spirit. Again, a supernatural ability to heal or be healed. I believe it works both ways here in conjunction with the gift of faith. We see uh, the gift of faith, uh, or the, this gift of healing in operation throughout Jesus' ministry. Also throughout the entire book of Acts, we see healings uh, happening. In one particular instance, Paul, when he was shipwrecked, was taken to a nearby island owned by a man named Publius in Acts chapter 28, 8, and it tells us this. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with a fever and dysentery, and Paul visited him and prayed and put his hands on him and healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. This is the gift, the gifts of healing, plural gifts of healing, of all kinds of different things that happen in this moment. The Lord used the Apostle Paul. And sadly, this is one of those gifts that is incredibly, incredibly abused 
by people who are staged in, in situations to give false testimony about, you know, a healing that took place in that service or something. And so what we do, we tend to do, I don't know if you're like me, you probably are, but anytime you see that now, you're like, oh, that's probably not real. Wait, I, I think the Holy Spirit is still in the business of healing people. I don't think the miraculous gifts have ceased. Why wouldn't I believe? And here's the thing is some of those hurdles, some of those, those are difficulties that each one of us has to get over in our own hearts about the, the exposures that we've had in our lives relating to the Holy Spirit because one of the things that will stop the Holy Spirit from doing something in your life just as it would stop Jesus from working in his own hometown is unbelief. Do I really believe? Do I really believe that the Lord is, has my best interest in mind? Do I really believe that God wants to do these things? Not only can do these things, but wants to do these things in my life. I have to get over those hurdles of thinking everything's fake. To be the cynical Christian, right? Listen, what you read in the Bible still happens today to a large degree outside of the United States because there's so much unbelief in our culture and deluded belief in creating God in, an, in our own image. But He is a God that heals. He is a God that, that also works miracles. Look at verse 10. To another, the working of miracles. This is supernatural power going beyond any human law. Oftentimes, this gift is working in conjunction with the gift of healings and the gift of faith. Paul at Lystra utilized this gift. In Acts chapter 14, verse 8, it says, Now at Lystra there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking, and Paul looking intently at him, and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, Stand up, upright on your feet, and he sprang up and began walking. This was a miracle. It's a working of miracles. And then in Acts chapter 20, verses 9 through 10, we see Paul, remember? Listen, Paul preached a dude to sleep, folks. He put, the guy's sitting in the wind's window seal on the second story, and Paul preached so long, the dude went to sleep. Now, I know that happens here about 15 minutes, so... I, I, I don't know if I can raise you from the dead the same way that he did, but we'll try. We'll see what happens. So the guy falls out of the window asleep, and he, and he, you know, hits the ground, and he dies. And Paul goes downstairs, and he raises the guy from the dead. That's the, the working of miracles in that situation. Peter doing the same thing in Acts chapter 9, verse 39, working of miracles where he resuscitated Dorcas or Tabitha, same person from the dead. Listen, there's all kinds of different examples of, of the working of miracles. And again, God is still in the miracle business, folks. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we trust Him for a miracle, and uh, we believe Him for a miracle, and we trust Him with whatever He decides to do, right? We believe Him for it, though, and we trust Him. To another prophecy, this is the supernatural foretelling or foretelling of God's Word, both in particular. Uh, the foretelling is from the written word of God. The foretelling is the, a revelation that God gives relating to future events. Those who believe the miraculous gifts have been removed from the church, they'll define this word prophecy here as preaching only. It's only preaching. It's never God giving any kind of revelation. And I would say there's, there's a lot of misuse of this uh, particular uh, gift as well, where, where people walk around saying, thus says the Lord. And I don't know if you're like me, but you probably are. When I hear that, I think, I don't think the Lord said that. Because there's such a wide abuse of those things. Of, Thus says the Lord. You know, there are, there are um, huge conventions that, that Jehovah Witnesses go to, that Mormons go to, and they wait for the prophet to come and, and bring new light to everyone. What the Lord has said to them and all these sorts of things. There's always, there are, people are excited to go to those things, and it's not even the Lord. And it's not even the Lord. And so we, we do want to be careful about what we're hearing, but we, again, do not harden your heart to the point that you can't hear something from God. You know, the gift of prophecy. 
you know, it can be something about the, fore, the foretelling of, you know, some event that's going to take place in your life. We see it in the book of Acts with Paul, remember, when he's, get, when he's meeting with the people and the, the elders in Ephesus in Acts chapter 20, verses 22 through 23, and it says this, And now, behold, I'm going to Jerusalem constrained or compelled by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me that in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. This is the gift of prophecy in operation in Paul's life where he's on his way to Jerusalem and every city that he stops in, he hears the words, you're going to be arrested, you're going to be bound, you're going to have all these kinds of things. And even after this meeting, he, he goes to, I think it's, I, I don't remember where, oh, he came down, uh, he met with a guy, the prophet Agabus in Acts chapter 21, verses 11, uh, 10 through 11. It says, while they were staying for many days, uh, oh, in Caesarea, that's where it was, the prophet named Agabus came down from Judea and coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his hands and feet and said, thus says the Holy Spirit, this is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of Gentiles. This is the foretelling of the Word of God. God's foretelling Paul what's going to happen to him when he gets to Jerusalem. Again, I think oftentimes, and I've even done this, in my, I, I tend to lean upon when we're talking about prophecy, you know, that it's the forth telling, the speaking of God's word that's already revealed, and it is. But it can also be the foretelling. It can also be a word that the Lord gives relating to something that's going to happen. He can do those kind of things. Um, there was one pastor that, uh, now his name is blank in my mind, but he... Uh, he had f some kind of a foreknowledge of what was going to happen at 911, and he was, the Lord told him weeks before to prepare some things for people. And so when it happened, he was able to minister to a bunch of people because they were ready for it, because the Holy Spirit had given information relating to that. I'll, I'll, I'll find that out and I'll tell you later. But so the gift of prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. This is the supernatural ability to discern. Was this God or was this not God? I would say we're, we're in incredible need of this specific gifting here today, right? The gift of discernment. What spirit is this of? We need that gifting. The gift of discernment. And we should be praying for this specific gift. Lord, help me to be discerning in not only my life, but relating to what's happening in our world today. And how can I be a light to you, even your, your body relating to this gifting? To another, various kinds of tongues. This supernatural ability to speak another language that's understandable to a hearer. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 says that it can be a tongue of men or a tongue of angels. It can be a recognizable language that we know here that's spoken in our world or, or the one that's spoken in, not in our world. Maybe a language of angels, but it's understandable by somebody. And it's usually in conjunction with, not always have to be in conjunction with the gift of uh, interpretation, but should be interpreted always if it's in a congregational setting. Otherwise, it's out of order. So if somebody were to pop up and say, the, the, uh, you know, and spoken a tongue, then we would say, is there interpretation for that here? And if nobody interpreted, we'd say, as the scriptures say, and we'll get to that, then there'll be no more of speaking in tongues in this service. But if somebody were to give an interpretation of that, that would be biblical. And then Paul goes on to say, just let that happen maybe once or twice, not the whole service, don't get carried away and make it all about that. But maybe the Lord, let the Holy Spirit minister in that way. You see, we're so boxed in this way that sometimes we forget that he can do it that way too. And so, you know, we want to be open to what the Lord wants to do. But we want to do things in decent and in order. So, you know, it's, there are varieties of tongues. All kinds of different ones that the Lord will give. And then to another interpretation of tongues. This is the supernatural ability again to understand a language that you don't understand, that you don't know you've never heard before. I remember one time in a prayer meeting, 
Um, you know, we, and we, we've always kind of wanted to be open to the Holy Spirit. Let him do that. You know, Holy Spirit, we're going to be open to you and let you in our prayer meetings and let you do what you want to do. And I remember one time I spoke in a tongue in the, in the prayer meeting, and I was like, Lord, please let there be interpretation. Please, Lord, please, Lord, please, Lord. But I felt like I was supposed to. And so I did, and then Pastor Brian interpreted that. And it was awesome. But does that happen every prayer meeting? This happened once. You know, in every prayer meeting, no. It's what the Lord wants to do, when he wants to do it, however he wants to do it. So there's the gift of interpretation. Verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And so here we find the Holy Spirit, he is at work in every one of these things. He's the one that empowers and gives, uh, he apportions according to his will what is necessary in your life to accomplish God's will in your life. So in other words, he's not just moving around the room going, huh, who can I manifest myself through, you know? I mean, that's not what he's doing. He's surrendered to the Father's plan. And what do you need? What supernatural empowerment or gifting do you need in order for you to accomplish what it is that the Lord wants to do in your life or what he wants to do maybe in a room? It's his will. And the Holy Spirit is surrendered to to the Father and what He wants. And Jesus, remember, was surrendered to the Father. Your will be done. And so He apportions to each one. It has nothing to do with how great you are, how spiritual you are, how long you've walked with the Lord. You don't get some, you know, level up situation once you walk with the Lord. Oh, you've been here for 25 years? Well, let's get that badge for you. You get this gift now, you know, kind of thing. That's not the way it works. But I can tell you this, that you know, if you don't allow him to work, you'll never experience anything. I will tell you that. That is for sure. Because he will not make you do a single thing. You know, you have to open yourself up to saying, I'm available and I want to be used. Like we talked about last week, the whole um, Isaiah 6 thing. Lord, here am I, send me. Whatever you want to do in my life, I'm available. I want to do that. I'm seeking you, Lord. I want to be used by you. I want to be powered, empowered by your spirit to do these things. So we, we know that there are a variety of gifts that have been given for the purpose of glorifying Jesus. That brings us to our last point here. The Holy Spirit gives presents that are meant to be shared. Did you see in verse 7? To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Here, here is the purpose. Here's the purpose of the spiritual gifts in a, in a congregational setting, right? In a, in, if, they were, if it happens in a congregational setting... It's for the common good, for the purpose of you and I all collectively together for something that the Lord wants to do to us as a whole, not just an individually, but corporately. That means if you're taking notes, if the Holy Spirit gives you a present, it's meant to be shared. You watch your kids when you, they get a new toy, you have little kids, do they like to share? What's their favorite word? Mine. 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 That's mine. I'm still saying that to my kids, but I can't find half the stuff that I have. My kids are adults, and I'm like, that's mine. What are you doing? But, but they're meant to be shared. And I think a lot of times we close off because we're for the fear of man. We're afraid <laughs> of what if it's not the Lord? Well, who, who wants to be elevated in this situation? Is it you or is it the Lord? What does the Lord want to do? You know, if he wants to do something, we probably should let him because it's not just about you, but it's about the, the entirety of the, of the body, right? And what he wants to do, it's for the common good. That's what he's meant here. I don't know about you, but, you know, I'm super thankful for presents that other people have been given over time, you know, whether it's Father's Day or christmas or birthdays or anything you know guys that have been given all kinds of tools because i get to benefit from those tools when i say to somebody hey can man i really need this thing right here oh i got that here let me let me let me lend that to you i mean you go over to john lowry's house that guy could whittle you like a a, a chair and a table and all kinds of stuff you need some woodworking stuff you talk to that guy got all kinds of tools 
But, but I, you see, if you're not willing to let me use it, if you're not willing to extend that to share with me, then I'll never, I'll never get the benefit of what I might if you were to lend that to me or let me use it. It's the way the spiritual gifts work. If you're going to exercise them, if you allow them to be shared with people, the Lord will bless people. And he'll use you to do it. Do you want to be a blessing? We always pray, Lord, use me, Lord. Do whatever you want to do through me, Lord. You know, and, and, then, and then he says, okay, here you go. Oh, I didn't mean that. I don't want to do that, Lord. That, that might draw too much attention to myself. Listen, I promise you, if that's your heart, if your heart is you don't want to draw attention to yourself, that's probably the Lord. That's probably the Lord that wants to work in that situation. If you do want to draw attention to yourself, that's probably not the Lord. That's probably you saying, hey, look at I can do these things. Look at me. That's not what it's about. And by the way, I don't think, you know, again, this is my own opinion. And you look at the Bible and decide for yourselves. I don't think when you have a gift that you have that gift for the entire life. I think, it's, I think the, the Holy Spirit might use you in a certain way, but I don't think you can at will do any of this. Not at will do any of it. Because it's, it's, it's given by the Holy Spirit for His purpose in His timing, according to His will. And so I believe that people have gifting for, that God uses people in certain veins for different things. But I don't think that's at will, you know, that you don't ever see Jesus walk through hospitals and just start healing people, everybody in there. You don't, he could have, but he didn't. You also don't see that happening in our world today. But, but, God, but God is still giving the gift of healing. And so it's, it's not the person, it's the Lord, and it's his plan, what he wants to do in the situation. So if you have, if you have some sort of a, an impression on your heart, that the Lord wants to use you in some way. He wants, to, the Holy Spirit wants to empower you to do something. Do it. Don't hold back because you're, you're going to affect the common good. It's for the common good. And you could be an incredible blessing to somebody. I don't know how many times that we've, you know, you've had these conversations, I've had these conversations with people where they say, man, God really used you in my life, man. I was right at this point, you know, and, and I was really struggling and then the Lord you said this, and the Lord really used that in my life. And you're like, what? I didn't have any idea anything, any of that was going on. I thought we were just having lunch, you know? And yet God was at work. The Holy Spirit was active. And because you were available, you were used. And so what I would say to you this morning is um, be available. And don't be afraid to allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life. Because I promise you, you want Him to work in your life. You can't accomplish God's will in your life without Him. And so avail yourself to Him this morning. Paul doesn't want us to be uninformed. The Lord doesn't want us to be uninformed. But the devil does want you to be uninformed about these things. Don't be. Amen. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, how good you are to us that you would, you would unveil, Lord, truths and teachings and instructions and various different things, Lord, uh, like this, relating to spiritual giftings, Lord, for your body to be informed. Because you know that we are, when we are uninformed, we are fearful. And you've not given us the spirit of fear. And yet you've also given us this incredible instruction in your word that brings clarity and brings comfort, brings hope. And we thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for your word, how you use it in our lives, and particularly this morning, Lord, the things that we talked about. You know every heart in this place, Lord. You know where everybody sits. You know who knows you, who doesn't know you. You know who is, who is afraid to walk in your spirit. You know who is, who is utilizing things maybe that aren't of you even. So, Lord, you know everything about us. And yet your heart for us right now in this place is for us to just surrender all to you, and say, Lord, here am I, send me. Whatever you want to do in, in my heart, I'm willing to do. So I just want to pray right now, Lord, for every person in this place that's a believer, Lord. That there would be an incredible freedom in their hearts right now, Lord, to just 
if they've, if they've been holding back, Lord, not allowing you to move, maybe constricting your spirit. You know, they've, they've uh, flipped the switch, as it were. There's power inside, but there's no flow. Maybe this morning, God, would you just bring freedom to our hearts and say, Lord, we, we want to. We want to be used, and so will you use us? Will you take away the fear of what that might mean, Lord? Here we've, we've just talked for the last 50 minutes about how you're not going to do anything but glorify Jesus. What, what could be, we be afraid of? So will you bring freedom in the hearts of those who are bound this morning, Lord, in this particular area of spiritual gifts? And uh, we pray as we continue on with the sermon, Lord, series, that you do that, that you utilize these sermons, Lord, in our lives. Utilize your word by your spirit. Bring power into our hearts, Lord. Bring power into our lives. We just lift you now. We thank you for who you are, Lord. We ask you to just move in this place as we close now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can hear more of Pastor Tim's studies through the Word of God on our website, www.calvaryofcolumbia.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again as we continue to study God's Word.